politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. There's a bipartisan letter on Beijing Olympic safety. Democrats and Republicans saying none of us should be fooled into thinking that our athletes can be safe because they can't be safe. Let's not pretend. And any efforts by the government of China to suppress freedom of speech will not be tolerated. Oh, right. And don't you dare mind their personal data or else. Or else what exactly? Good, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. I just, it's just so laughable. I mean, there's so much, so many security concerns over the Beijing Olympics. And, uh, you know, we're acting like a, a tersely worded letter is going to do it. You know, I understand the argument. And I've had this conversation with people about, well, the athletes. You know, the athletes, they've worked hard and they deserve this. And we don't want to shatter their dreams. And I understand that argument. But at the same time, if we can't keep our people safe, if we can't ensure that our athletes are going to be okay over there, and if we can't ensure that their freedom and their privacy is going to be respected, I, I guess you just add that to the whole list of reasons why maybe the United States of America should not be part of this. But it's a moot point. There's no chance we're not going to be part of this. It, there's just too much at stake with China when it comes to money. That's the, that's the bottom line. So we'll send some tersely worded letters, and that'll be the end of it. Meanwhile, their technology will invade all the phones of everybody who is using uh, any device over there in China during the Olympics. All right, a couple things for you. Um, shockingly, uh, Joe Scarborough calling for war. The This is what happens now. The neocons and the left and the media, they love the idea of maybe we'll have war with Putin. They love it. They're so excited about the prospects. Since Biden said a minor incursion... And he predicts that Putin's going to move in. Well, ever since then, I mean, there have been calls that beating the drums. We've got to be aggressive in our defense of our allies. And Ukraine, despite what you hear from Putin propagandists, propagandists across the world, and yes, even here in America, despite what you hear, we have to defend our democratic allies. And it's time for the Biden White House to start speaking more clearly and more aggressively aggressively and telling us how they're going to stop this invasion from happening got it let's bang the drums of war and let's do it uh that's always the way it happens right i mean they just push and push and push for it it's it's really amazing um would you like a little montage to start the afternoon Graby and our friends over there put together a little uh montage of um of this is now all the media trashing and smearing justice gorsuch over NPR's fake news, okay? This is the NPR, the fake news uh, about how Justice Gorsuch wasn't wearing a mask and then it was it was done, you know, to, to say that he's the worst person in the world, only the story wasn't, wasn't real and they made it up, but that doesn't stop them at all from trashing him, of course. Tragically, anti-mask insanity has now reached the highest court in the land. Neil Gorsuch is prioritizing his right to be a tool over protecting Sonia Sotomayor's life. Gorsuch loves COVID, which makes him the perfect, ah, perfect Republican. He thinks very little of coronavirus precautions. Gorsuch has the nerve to refuse to wear a mask indoors while seated next to his colleague who's vulnerable to possible death from a highly communicable disease. Where's the collegiality? Where's the common sense? That just seems ridiculous. Can you put a mask on to be Seriously. polite? 
What kind hard. of workplace is this? It's not hard. Justice Gorsuch had to know that this would become a public controversy. Um, and so I think he did this as a branding opportunity. What's up with Justice branding Gorsuch? Opportunity. All of the other, including all of the other conservative members of the court, are willing to go along with this. Why not him? Every other justice is masking up, even Clarence Thomas, who doesn't seem to care about anybody. But nope, not Gorsuch. He could not be bothered to extend a life-saving courtesy to his co-worker. It not only displays a lack of basic civility as a co-worker, but also a lack of humanity. While Gorsuch's behavior here is pretty disgraceful. Let me just say, we're only a minute in. This is a two-minute clip, right? So think about this now. MSNBC, CNN, uh, weird British language stations, uh, over and over again saying the same thing. You notice how they all parrot each other, too? They hate him so much. And they just run with this. It's not true. The story's not true. But let's pretend for a second it was. They just pile on. He's the worst person in the world. He's awful. Blah, blah, blah. They want it to be true so bad that they don't even stop to think, well, maybe it isn't true. They don't even think. That. And then if it is true, they don't even stop to think, well, maybe there's a, there's a, there's something more to the story, right? Nope, they just pile in. He's awful. He's dead. He'll kill him, destroy him, tear him apart. I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. A prickly justice, not exactly beloved, even by his conservative soulmates on the court. Confirmation of what we all... Are you supposed to be loved if you're a Supreme Court justice? I mean, Gorsuch is one of my favorite justices. I don't always agree with him, but I think he's one of the most brilliant minds on there. I thank God he's on the court. Do you have to be loved? Is that the new standard? Or is it just the standard of our society today? Where you have to just be loved by your coworkers and your colleagues and do whatever they say and do whatever the powers that be tell you to be if you want to be loved and liked and admired. I guess it's that's the standard, right? Not not the brilliance of your opinions, not the the, the attempts with which you go to to ensure that your opinions are solid. No, please, please, no. Instead, are you liked? Are you beloved? Already knew. Whatever you think about Mass, Gorsuch, who sits next to Sotomayor at work, just decided to be a dick to a colleague. Ooh. Neil Gorsuch, shame on you. Shame Whoopi. on you. Why is it that so many conservatives in public life who claim to be such pious Christians and obsess over morals and decency are actually awful Awful people. My first reaction Awful. was to think what a mean-spirited, almost ghoulish person Neil Gorsuch is. Gorsuch's deeply obnoxious behavior here. Color me shocked. Neil Gorsuch is an asshole who thinks he should get Whoa. to control others' bodies, but no one should get to control his. Perhaps it should be Gorsuch participating remotely. You, Neil Gorsuch, are both a rotten co-worker, dangerous to be near in a pandemic, and tonight's absolute worst. Those are three things. Uh, sorry about the curse words there. If you have the kids in the car, I should have given you the earmuffs disclaimer. I didn't realize that was going to be. I figured they would have beeped that. So my bad. Uh, <clears throat> there you go. And then I see about a podcast though, versus an, uh, over the airwaves is there's no FCC fine with the podcast. So that's good. Not that I like throwing curse words in there because, again, I don't know who's in the car. So hopefully that was – maybe I'll have to put like a – like an earmuffs disclaimer on this one. I don't know if I can do that or not. I don't know how to do that, but anyway. Uh, okay, here's a couple of other things for you today. The other um, montage that I wanted to mention to you that I had for you is a little montage of the media now, the hyperbolic end of our democracy, okay? This is now if the, if the quote-unquote the voting fail. rights bill, if the quote-unquote voting rights bill does not go through and the filibuster is allowed to stand, all right, it will be the end as we know it. I'm talking Armageddon. I'm talking suit up Ben Affleck. But, I mean, if there ever was a time to root for an asteroid, was it not that movie, Armageddon? I'm just saying. I'm, I, I was rooting for the asteroid. That dude was up there in space. 
Anyway, here we go. A little montage for you. Take a listen. If the Democrats fail, it might be the end of American democracy. I think we're one election away from the end of American democracy. If they take over in 2022, that is the end of democracy and we're going to have authoritarianism. I hope that we can flip this and save democracy. If we can't, I got to, you know, I got to believe that fascism will take over in America and that will be the death of democracy. The potential death of democracy. The death of democracy. The death of democracy. The death of democracy as we know it. This protest now is not simply about the death of George Floyd. It's about the death of American democracy, decency and humanity. I'm sad to say that it also can lead to the uh, the diminishment of democracy. Diminished. It almost feels like we are witnessing the the death of democracy here. The death of democracy. Do you ever wonder how it is they all say the same things? I wonder that sometimes. It's almost as if in the morning somebody sends out an email and says, this is what we're going to say. Everybody, go. Maybe they do. I mean, talking points used to get circulated around quite frequently when I was on Capitol Hill and worked in you know New Jersey legislature and the other places. And you'd send them out. What's amazing, though, is that these are mostly people in the media and also these are Democrats. And they're all just saying the same thing. And if you do that, sometimes you can listen very closely. Not even closely. Just here. Democrats in the media saying the same things. You notice that? Say the same thing. They parrot each other. Death of democracy. Death of democracy. Death of democracy. Death of, the, the disillusionment of democracy. The destruction of democracy. It's, but it's always a, the same theme. You know, the death. The death line stood out to me, Jonathan, because I think that's just factually correct. Kind of the end of democracy, at least the end of our democracy. The return of Donald Trump to the White House could spell the end of democracy in America. We could have a Trump presidency, and that would, in my opinion, be the end of democracy in this country. I think that could be the end of our democracy, not to be too, you know, pointed about it. Hillary Clinton said a couple of weeks ago that if he runs and wins, that could be the end of our democracy. Do you share that fear? I do. Are you going to stand by and watch this man destroy? destroy the democracy. I hope he will be beaten or else it's the end of uh, democracy as we know it. That'll be the end of democracy as we know it. It's the end of democracy. That is a recipe for the end of democracy. The country is at risk as long as one of our two major parties is so committed to destroying our democracy. January 6th. Oh, there we go. January 6th. That doesn't ever go away for them, does it? Don't forget, Biden yesterday at the White House, he suggested that perhaps the election in 2022 will be a fugazi will be bogus will not be legitimate just a few moments ago on the fox news with martha mccallum ben uh roethlisberger no wait a second now he's the he's the quarterback right um he's the quarterback for the pittsburgh steelers right the georgia secretary of state that's a different guy name but very close brad raffensberger i don't know if he's related is he related to ben no, because that's not even the same name, right? I should never be asked about sports. I didn't even ask. I just brought it up. Anyway, the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensberger, no relation to Ben Roethlisberger, expressed his dismay with President Joe Biden's recent rhetoric. Sorry. I don't know why I even try. I really don't. Why do I try? Anyway, uh, let me continue with this montage is what it was, was a potential end of our democracy. It would essentially mean the end of democracy in the United States of America, and that is not hyperbole. This is democracy at stake. We are at a defining moment in our democracy, and if we don't have voting rights, I don't know that we have a democracy. In Georgia, 
They are trying to destroy democracy. A systematic effort to dismantle democracy, not just voter suppression, but subversion. We don't like who you voted for, so we're just going to give it to the other guy. This is the end of democracy in America. This is the beginning of the South, the South Africa strategy. If he had won, it would we would have been it would have been the end of this country. It would have been the end of democracy. And I am not exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. All right. That was Joy Reid. Not exaggerating. Got it. So the Georgia Secretary of State took Biden to task for his comments about the election, where he said, you know, the upcoming election won't be fairly conducted. Speaking of voting rights legislation, if this isn't passed, do you still believe the upcoming election will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? Well, it all depends on uh, Uh, whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election. Well, as I explained to you yesterday, the whole point of this right now is he's saying the quiet part out loud, which is he wants people to understand the strategy. The strategy, of course, is they knew that it wasn't going to pass, but they want people to know that this is a setup by Republicans so that they can cheat. And you're allowed now. You're allowed to say. You're allowed to come out and say that elections are not going to be legitimate now. Democrats used to do this stuff all the time. They tried to stop George Bush's certification as president. They tried to stop Trump's certification as president. They went on about Russia, 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 Russia. They've been doing this for a long time. But then after January 6th, it suddenly became taboo for you to bring up the idea, the concept that maybe there was cheating that happened in the last election, which, of course, 100% was cheating. Everybody knows that. Well, I mean, everybody wants nobody wants to admit it, but... Now you're allowed to stand at the White House again and suggest that the upcoming election will not be legitimate. And that's perfectly okay. So the Secretary of State of Georgia came out today and he and he criticized Biden for this, saying it's ridiculous that you could suggest now. He said President Biden has surrendered any credibility, any credibility on the subject. Between his speech last week here in Georgia and his remarks last night, President Biden has surrendered any credibility he had on the integrity of America's elections. In a speech delivered last week in Atlanta, of course, that's when you know he compared everybody to George Wallace and Bull Connor, even though he kept saying last night at the White House press conference, I didn't say you're Bull Connor. I said you're like Bull Connor. Okay, it's different. So when somebody tells you you're annoying, but they go, I didn't say you're annoying. I said you're being annoying. It's a difference. I didn't say you're Jefferson Davis. I said you're just like Jefferson Davis. I said you're practically Jefferson Davis. I said if I close my eyes and I I don't look at you, I think I'm talking to Jefferson Davis. But I didn't say you're Jefferson Davis. So he tried that little nuance. It didn't work, of course. So he said whether it's Joe Biden or Stacey Abrams, Democrats have made it clear that the only election that they'll ever trust is the ones in which they win. And he's right. I mean, think about everything Stacey Abrams ever did. And that's why I said in the show this morning, Democrats are going to make 2022 it to be just think of Stacey Abrams, but much bigger on the national stage. Every election that they don't win, they'll call in a question, they'll sue and they'll blame things like voter ID. They'll blame this, they'll blame that. And they'll go on what um, what the Georgia Secretary of State says, quote, I don't share the concerns that he does because his idea is that our president will only call an election legitimate if the Democrats are successful in banning photo ID and HR1 and HR4 and they're going to mandate ballot harvesting. Now, remember, Biden said that uh, if you disagree with any of this, it was Jim Crow 2.0. Jim Crow 2.0. Making the rounds on the internet today, I'm not going to play it for you though, I don't want to do that to you, but 
uh, is Barack Obama from 2005 when he's a senator, and I may have played this for you in the past, defending, of course, the filibuster and why it's so critical, why it's so important to have the filibuster sacred to our democracy. And without it, democracy will die. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. You like when we teach children how to become tattletales? As we're grooming a whole future generation, I was thinking about this today because King Philip the Unaccountable in New Jersey, the governor of New Jersey, came out today and said he can picture a day in the future where maybe kids in schools won't have to be masked. That's right. He said that. He said, oh, dear God, please make it so, he said, in his usual dramatic way. He said, yes, I think there's a real shot. I really do. Well, we're early days in terms of turning the corner. We're early in the days of turning the corner, but it certainly looks like we've begun to turn the corner here. God willing, we keep that progress up. He's the one person who makes this decision. You realize that? We're still at the point of one guy making this decision for a state of nine million people, eight and a half, whatever it is. One guy makes this decision for everybody. So when he says, I think we have a shot at this, it's up to him. There's no, the legislature doesn't get to decide. The courts don't get to decide. It's just completely up to him. One dude makes all the decisions. We are raising a generation to be afraid of everything. I share with you last week the data from children who died. It's less than 0.1% since COVID started that kids have died. 0.1%. And you know of those kids, they had comorbidities and that sort of thing. It's a very, very low number. It's statistically insignificant. And yet we still make our kids wear masks in schools. We're training a generation to be subservient to authority and also to be afraid of their freaking shadow. Which, again, is a generation that will be more dependent on government. Because if you're more dependent on government, well, if you're afraid of everything, you're going to be more dependent on government because you want government to protect you from everything. It's one thing if it's the monster hiding in your closet and you realize eventually it's not real. But if the monster is capitalism, it's people that offend you, it's people that say mean things, people that that don't give you what you want in life, it's student debt, it's every disadvantage, then all those things are real and only government can come and slay them for you. That's how they're viewing it. And the kids, it's become so normal for them. They go, should I wear a mask here? Put a mask on in the store? And I've heard people say, well, maybe there'll be a backlash. I don't know. I don't know. The, the, they're so used to doing whatever the state tells them to do now. I don't know if there'll be a backlash. And in Canada, they're now celebrating kids ratting people out over COVID protocols. I'm just realizing this is in French. So maybe I should translate it for you. Would that be helpful? Okay. Because they have the, uh, the, 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 they're asking if the kids are in favor of the vaccine. They said, yes, we have, we have both have one dose. Are you in favor of mandatory vaccine? The, the news person asked the kids. All the kids go, yes, we. It looks like I drilled them, the teacher said. Then she asked, what should we do with the people who don't want the vaccine? Little boy says, we should call the police on them. Yes, yes, they say. If they don't have the vaccine, it can make a lot of people in danger, says a little girl. So like what the government does right now, we should cut everything from them. Little by little until they submit and get vaccinated. And the news person says, it looks like we got some future politicians here. And all these people, the adults start clapping. The little future totalitarian club joined today. For absolute totalitarianism and authoritarianism coming to a future near you. Let's lock them up. Let's deprive them of benefits. Let's destroy their livelihoods. These are kids talking about what should be done to their maybe parents 
or friends' parents. It's scary what's happening, isn't it? Uh, in Florida, and I don't know why I'm not there, there's no income taxes and it's 76 degrees today in Naples, Florida. What am I doing here is my question. I got to deal with this, this schmuck governor who wants to keep everybody in masks forever. Maybe there's a shot we'll take our kids out of masks. Meanwhile, I got to pay all this money to state income taxes on top of my federal income taxes, and it's cold, and it's gray. Tonight, I got to go to Parks Casino, and I just saw a tweet from our buddy Chris on Twitter who said it's going to be super cold, and everything's going to freeze up. Nice. Nice. Well, in Florida, a new Florida bill would ban feelings of discomfort in teachings about racism in U.S. history. Governor Ron DeSantis has a new bill right now, which would ban public schools and private businesses from making people feel discomfort when being taught about racial discrimination in U.S. history. It passed the Senate Committee on Education on January 18th, with six yeas and three nays will move on to debate among state senators. According to The Hill, an individual shouldn't be made to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin. Now, obviously, you realize right now this bill is purposely being written that way to point out the absurdity of the left and how the left feels about everything. How what guides decision-making and thinking is anytime somebody feels discomfort or anguish or any sort of psychological distress, that person should be banned, speakers should be banned, uh, classrooms should be shut down. This is what the bill, ironically enough, is pushing right back in the left's face. Of course... The teachers union in Florida doesn't have a sense of humor, so they see it would bring politics into the classroom, chill speech, and leave our teachers afraid to teach basic concepts like the idea that slavery is bad. (laughs) Does anybody think it's a problem to teach that slavery is bad? Honestly, I'm asking for a friend. Is there a a contingent of people looking to bring slavery back? Because I miss that. I I can't, I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding that anywhere, but... I guess maybe there is. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to keep track of anything these days. This is what Governor Ron DeSantis was saying here, if I could bring this up here. There's no national mandate saying used by some. A term originally used to broaden how we think about the past is being used by some to define the racial divide in our schools. Critical race theory comes out of the legal field. It's been conceptualized over 40 years ago by scholars such as Kimberly Crenshaw speaking specifically about how systemic racism works in the legal field. These legal scholars argued individual intentions can't be proven, but as a framework, racism is baked into our social systems and psychology. That's the start of the conversation, they said. Last year, the New York Times 1619 Project placed the struggle of black Americans at the center of our country's narrative. While the work gave a nod to those largely left out of the history books, it quickly became politicized. Critical race theory was the umbrella term. This is a deliberate plan to politicize and whitewash history. Thank you, Mr. Frey. Stop it. It is sad that we are even contemplating something like critical race theory, where children will be separated by their skin color and deemed permanently oppressors or oppressed in 2021. Um, Those are two black speakers, by the way, back to back in that little clip. It's interesting, right? Because if you listen to the media, the media will tell you that uh, it's only white people that are trying to stop critical race theory, which is, of course, a lie. I have news for you. Most Americans don't want racial division. They just want to live their lives in peace as neighbors and friends and coworkers. That's where we are in the year 2022, which everybody should be celebrating, except that doesn't help the left, does it? Their whole point is dividing everybody by everything. And how do you divide everybody if we all just want to get along? You can't. 
I mean, most people view people based on not the color of their skin these days, but whether or not they're just a person who's an a-hole, whether they're white or black or Asian or anything else. I mean, I think that's where we are. But they will still try to argue that we need to indoctrinate students based on critical race theory because we all hate each other. And that's because it pushes their agenda. And what is the ultimate point of their agenda? Well, as I've told you before, if you look very deeply at what critical race theory does teach and push, it pushes socialism. It pushes reparations. It pushes the idea that the government needs to take people's wealth and then spread it around, which is the very essence of socialism. It's backed by Marxism. It's backed by communism. And so the ultimate goal here and what they use division for to always get their way, it's the same thing with Biden screaming Jim Crow and Jefferson Davis and Bull Connor. It's the same thing. It's it's divide, divide, divide. It's why the Biden administration pushed their phony vaccine mandate. Divide, divide, divide. They always want people fighting with each other. He doesn't want to unify everybody. Please. The Florida Board of Education banned critical race theory in its schools. I think it'll cause people to think of themselves more as a member of of a particular race or based on skin color uh, rather than based on the content of their character. There's no national mandate saying this curriculum. Anyway, I, I think that you have to understand what Democrats are up to. And if you understand that, then you can see through this little nonsense of always trying to divide. They believe people are victims. They believe people are not individuals. They're just members of groups, various groups that have been disenfranchised. But at the end of it, at the end of, the, of all of it comes capitalism is the big evil that needs to be dismantled. It's the same thing with woke prosecutors in cities. Philadelphia, New York, San Francisco, you name it. These woke prosecutors who believe criminals are victims of a repressive capitalist system that has held them down. And that's why they're criminals. And so they're actually the victims. This is what these people believe. Oh, uh, Chuck Todd, I guess on his, I don't know if it was Meet the, oh, it was Meet the Press Daily. Meet the Press Daily here. Confronted senior Biden advisor Cedric Richmond over the White House, whether or not they have a communications problem. Part of the reason why the White House has to keep dividing everybody is because they do have a communications problem, among other things, among other problems. You look at the current situation in polling in the political environment. And you look at at what you're doing in the White House. Do you believe you have a communications problem or do you believe you have a substance problem? We don't have a substance problem. And the truth is, Chuck, I think that uh, Americans are exhausted just living their daily lives right now. People are focused on uh, making sure that they protect themselves and their families from COVID, making sure that there's food on the table, making sure that they kids remain in school. And so uh, people have their head down and and are really just living their lives. And we have our head down uh, trying to do the best we can to meet the challenges that families are facing, which is why uh, we're just, we're working. Now, if the question is, could we go on a a tour and and tout all of our accomplishments? Uh, We could, but at the same time, we acknowledge that uh, there's work to do and people are facing real challenges and we want to tackle them. I think that the reality is they have more than a communications problem. They have a president who can't speak. I don't care that he was up there for two hours. This is a guy who almost put the United States on the precipice of war by just saying that a minor incursion is okay with Russia. So please, spare me. Because you have to realize now, if you want to find the brains of the operation, (laughs) well, then for that, I point you to the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. But before I do that, two things, a couple things. Number one. Uh, Peloton has now decided that they're going to delay opening their new U.S. factory due to slumping demand. Peloton delays opening of the $400 million U.S. factory as demand tanks. Now, I do not Peloton. First of all, I find the idea offensive that I got to spend all this money for a stationary bike. Can't even go anywhere on it. Number two, I find it offensive that I have to use it. 
Number three, I find it offensive. I'd have to take my clothes off of it if I had it. Number four, you got to pay like a monthly vig or something like that. Anyway, I don't do it, but I know people that do. Hit my mic. Sorry about that. I know people that do, and they love it. I'm just not one of those people. But they're cutting jobs in store closing, apparently, and they've had some publicity struggles, too. I guess there was an incident where somebody died, I think, using a Peloton, and it was a, it was a, it was a, whole, a whole bunch of things. Maybe, maybe it was a commercial about somebody died. I don't know. They said there were tone-deaf moves. I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. I know some people really love it. I, I, oh, and I know what it was, too, is that the, the CEO and his wife had an exclusive party at the Plaza Hotel in New York for some of the company's staff shortly after Peloton announced a hiring freeze and a moratorium on parties. Like, they act like Democrats. They put, you can't party, only we can party. Then he put out a company email. He said, this holiday season, my wife and I hosted a personal party for our vaccinated family and friends. Well, thank God. To celebrate all New York City has been through over the past two years. Now, we didn't invite you because we don't like you. And also, P.S., you're fired. He wrote this in a company-wide, well, he didn't put that part in, in a company-wide email shared with the Post. Although some Peloton teammates were invited, the event was not officially affiliated with Peloton in any capacity. They say morale is at an all-time low. Do you Peloton? Do you do it? I don't know all the details of these things. I don't know exactly what... Oh, is a child? Yeah, that's what it was. Children were injured by the machines and one child was killed. That's what it was. It's like 2,500 bucks for one of these friggin' things. I'd rather just take an old bike and take the tires off and just prop it up on bricks in my garage for like $12. But anyway, I'm a little cheap with that stuff. Uh, what I do for health is I drink a glass of wine. Years ago, I had to get back surgery. Shocking, I know that I had surgery. And it was, it was a car after a car accident years ago. So my doctor was my neurosurgeon. He always said, he said, drink a glass of red wine a day. He said, it's good for you. It's good for your heart. That's what he said. Well, now there's a new study out, irishexaminer.com. It says a glass of wine is not good for you. I can't keep track. Can you? Can you keep up with the ever-changing health? One, it's bad one day. It's good the other day. This is bad today. It's bad. Now they're saying even one glass a day is bad for you. Any level of drinking can lead to loss of healthy life. The World Health Federation said, I don't believe these people. I think a glass of wine a day is fine for you. The problem that I have is it just turns into more than one glass of wine. And they say this is big alcohol trying to get people to believe that a glass of wine is good for you. You know, people have been drinking wine since the, the I mean, for a long time. The Greeks, the Romans, everybody's been drinking wine. Jesus, we've been drinking wine since the dawn of time. But I think what it is is big medical doesn't like us drinking wine because maybe it's good for you. Maybe it is. I can't say for sure. I'm just saying that maybe it is. Isn't it always interesting that the things that always come with the biggest warnings are always things that are natural? It's never the things that are prescribed. I mean, they have warnings, but they never come out. They never find that. Stop taking, for example, like every now and then you'll hear something like, well, stop taking statins. And then, shh, don't say that. I had another uh, doctor, Dr. Don Viorio. He's a He's a uh, cardiologist, South Jersey. He told me the same thing. Drink a glass of red wine a day. Take a baby aspirin a day. All right, works for me. Fine with me, doc. But it's always when, 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 when big medicine wants to come in and go, no, 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 no. Only things we prescribe you, only, only those sort of chemicals are good for you. That's why there's such a battle about having marijuana become legal in so many places too, because it's a real challenge to prescription opioids. Because a lot of people use marijuana for pain. I don't, but I know people that do. Uh, okay, so what was I going to share with you? Oh, yes, the brains of the operation. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, 
And I'll have to wrap this up because i got to get ready for Parks Casino tonight. Hopefully I'll see you there. should be a lot of fun. Always have fun with these things. But this is what uh, she said today, the vampiric one, Nancy Pelosi. Yes, sir? Uh, Madam Speaker, I understand that last Thursday you asked the Committee on House Administration to look at soft act violations yeah. of Congress, um, which you know, may include separate penalties for these violations. Uh, I want to give you the chance to talk about this while you did that. I think that's important. And what do you say to the members of your caucus, which range from frontline members to some of the progressive members, who want to go further and enact some sort of... Well, I don't know that. I mean, that's your version. Here's the thing. I say to my members uh, on a regular basis, when we gather in caucus, and as you know, sometimes it's hybrid these days, but anytime we have gathered in caucus, one way actually virtually or hybrid, I've said to them, under this roof, figuratively or actually, is the greatest collection of intellect, integrity, and imagination for doing the right thing for the American people. I have great confidence in the integrity of my members. They are remarkable. So when people talk about, well, somebody might do this and so on, I, 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 say, I, I trust our members. If, in fact, we should have severe uh, penalties for delay in reporting on stock, then do that. I've said to the, the House Administration Committee, review all the bills that are coming in and see which ones. We have the greatest collection of intellect, integrity, and imagination anywhere. The Democrat Caucus. <laughs> it's like one of those more you know things, right? After that, don't you want to use a little marijuana for pain or wine or something? Anything? Opioids? Anything for pain after listening to that? Just kidding, of course. Hey, have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. The insanity continues. Biden's approval ratings plummet. Even Democrats don't want him to run again. Yesterday was bad. I'm just going to spare you from playing any more of it than I have to. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.